are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. The lady's husband died. She was elderly, and she wrote quite an extensive obituary. And she took it to the newspaper, and she said, My husband passed away, and he was quite a man, and uh, I've written quite an extensive obituary. How much would it cost me to publish this in the paper? And they said, Well, we charge by the word. And so you've written a lot, and it's going to be several hundreds of dollars. And she said, you charge by the word for an obituary? And they said, yes, it's not uncommon. She said, okay, let's, let's, let's go with this then. And she scribbles out something, and she pushes the sheet of paper across the table, and it simply read, Bill Smith died, Cadillac for sale. So why not use your money wisely, right? The the truth is, the way that we view money affects every, every aspect of our lives without exception. Now that's the truth. The way that you and I view money affects every aspect of our lives without exception. I want to talk to you this morning from the book of Mark, chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. And, and it's a story that you're familiar with, many of you. Uh, some of you would say, it's, it's a new story to me, but many of you would say, well, yeah, I know that story. It's a story about a rich, young aristocrat, a rich, young ruler. And, and you may have some preconceived ideas about the story itself. And, and you may kind of have it in your mind as, yeah, that was a guy that was hung up on wealth and therefore he didn't get to enter the kingdom of God. Sad story. Sad guy. And it may be easy for you to sign it off a bit. So I think the way that we try to apply the story to our lives today is by dealing with one question. And this is the question, okay? What, what in my life is more important to me than what Jesus wants for me. And and I think for some you might need to ask the question a little differently. What is it in my life that has the potential of being more important to me than what Jesus wants for me? So I, I, I want to just move on, but I can't. I think I should linger a minute. I think I should just kind of hang out here for a second because I think it's so important. What is it in my life that seems to be so important to me? How, how do I know what's so important to me? Well, you can, you can look at your checkbook. We only spend money on things that are important to us. I think you can pray and ask God to show you what's in your heart. What are the things that matter to you a great deal? What are the things that have the potential of becoming more important to me than what Jesus wants for me? So I think with that question in mind, we we open God's Word together. Okay, Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. As Jesus started on His way, there was a man who ran up to Him and He fell on His knees before Him. So don't, don't just keep rolling here, but get that image in your mind. You've got Jesus 
You can imagine how Jesus is dressed. He was a very simple man. Jesus was a poor man when he came to material wealth. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head, he said. Okay, he's a poor man. And this rich young man comes running, all right, runs through, what, a crowd? I don't know, but he's running because Jesus is going to get away. And he runs and he positions himself in front of Jesus and he goes to his knees. I mean, think about it. I mean, here's what he does. He gets in front of him and he gets on his knees. All right? And he looks up at Jesus. The poor Nazarene. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments... You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Now when I read it, I wonder how he, how he said it. And was it a defense? All of these I've kept since I was a boy, okay? I mean, is that his attitude or is it excitement? All of these I've kept since I was a boy. I'm in. I qualify. I don't know. How did he say it? Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And so Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, you know, realizing this is a powerful opportunity for a teaching moment. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So Peter, you can imagine, is almost scratching his head, thinking hard, said, We have left everything to follow you. And truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Nat and I were youth pastors, if you can believe that. Years ago in Kansas City, in the late 80s. You remember the late 80s? Late 80s. And we had a little gal named Melissa who came to our youth group. We learned that she lived with her grandmother and they had moved to Kansas City from some other state. 
And life was apparently and obviously very hard for them. And somehow we learned that there wasn't food in the house one week. And so Annette and I called the grandmother and said, Hey, we want to help out. We all go through hard times in life. We've gone through hard times. Can we, can we maybe run by, pick up Melissa tonight? And uh, if you'll make a little list, we'll run to the store. And we'll pick up some stuff. And the grandmother was proud and she was embarrassed. And so when we got to the house and Melissa came bouncing out, or the apartment complex, and she came bouncing out with the list, there were only things on the list like rice and beans, things that would go a really long way. And only a few things on the list. And so we looked at each other. We kind of struggled because we wanted to fill a grocery cart. And so when we got to the store, we just tried to gain from Melissa. So what, what do you guys eat besides this stuff? And what would be good? And what would you like? And... And so we're trying to fill the card, and finally we came almost to the end, and I said, Hey, Melissa, it just occurred to me, when I go to the grocery store, I'm picking out things that I want to snack on. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, here's a 14-year-old teenage girl and probably has not had that luxury for a little while. And I said, You should run back, Melissa, and you should get anything you want. And I mean anything you want. Whatever you want to eat, stuff you like. If you want pizzas, get frozen pizzas. If you want whatever you want, just get whatever you like. Candy, I don't care, just... And really, I mean this. I want you to get what you want, okay? She goes, anything I want? And I said, yeah, I'm serious. And so she takes off running and disappears into the chaos and the aisles of the supermarket and finally emerges and we're throwing everything up on the conveyor belt. And I don't see anything. Anything that would reflect what I thought she would have picked out. And I said, Melissa, I told you to get some stuff. She said, I did. And she pointed at what was moving on the conveyor belt in front of me it was a can of hairspray. It got my heart. Do you remember how important hairspray was in the late 80s? There was a lot of big hair in the 80s. We got pictures to prove it, don't we, Annette? Yeah. I can do without some foods, but how I appear to my peers, that one's important to me. That one really matters. There's this desire that we live with to fit. There's this desire to uh, blend in. There is this desire for acceptance. There is this high concern of how we appear in our world and in our culture and before the people around us. We think a lot about what we're driving and what we're wearing and what we're living in and on and on and on. Besides all the comfort that comes with all of those things. But that feeds into a process that makes wealth something in our lives that is not neutral. It would be great if wealth was a neutral factor, but it's not. It has power, it has influence. And once we taste it, the appetite begins to grow and we want more wealth. 
And the more stuff that we get and the more possessions that we get a hold of, the more our hearts become fixed on this world. And as parents, we tend to pass these values on to our children without even knowing it. And so I've been living with a question this last week, and it's been a pretty difficult question to live with. And since I've been living in misery, I'd like to share it with you. I've been asking myself this hard question all week long. So did I prepare my kids for the road? Or did I prepare the road for my kids? I think if you're into writing stuff down, you might want to write that one down, especially if you have kids. Clay Franks, if, if I was you, my friend, I think I would write that one down. You've got little kids. So am I going to prepare my kids for the road that's in front of them? Or am I just preparing the road for my kids? That's been a hard week as I've struggled through that. I wanted you to have the picture of Jesus in his very common attire. Probably not impressive robe, honestly. Probably not the latest style that was happening in Jerusalem that day. A common man, a poor man. And here comes a young man who is a rich man. We know because Mark later says he had great wealth. And then we learn from other gospel writers that he was an aristocrat. He was a ruler of some sort. And he comes running, running to Jesus. You've got to get the image. He comes running, breaking out running. It's like seeing a really wealthy person today running up toward a poor person and getting down on their knees in front of them. That's the image that you should have in your mind when you think about Jesus having this encounter with this rich young ruler kind of a guy. And he asked the question, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think one of the greatest challenges that we face as we read the Scripture is understanding the culture and the way that the people in the Scripture were thinking. It feels to me sometimes almost impossible. And even with great historians, I feel like we're just barely getting close to it many days. But in the mind of the Jew, they thought in terms of two ages. There was this present age that we're living in now, and the way they saw this present age was an age of sin and suffering and oppression and injustice. That's what we've got. And then they thought in terms of the age to come. And the age to come was an age when God was going to make everything right. That's what I'm looking for, the rich young ruler said. I want to inherit the age to come where God does something incredible by bringing heaven itself to earth and making everything that is wrong right. I want to be in the middle of that. How can I be sure? So if you would have asked a Pharisee in Jesus' day, how do I inherit eternal life? How can I be part of the age to come? To live in that new reign with God, where the kingdom of God actually comes into our lives. A Pharisee would have said, well, you keep the law. 
In fact, if you're really serious about inheriting the kingdom of God, what you should do is you probably should become a Pharisee. Or join some sect or some order that is so focused on keeping the law to be sure that you don't miss out. And so when Jesus responds to the rich young ruler, keep the commandments, this was the answer of the day. This was, this was a good answer. And he can go, check. That's what I thought as he gets up off his knees. I'm in. I've kept all of these since I was a boy. I, th- I think it's interesting if you reflect for a moment that the commandments that Jesus gives may seem random. They're not. He's talking about how we relate to one another in life. And so the rich young ruler was able to say, I've never murdered anyone. I've never committed adultery with anyone. I've never stolen from anyone. I don't lie to people. Um, I've made it my life to keep these commandments. And with the exception of one, and that is honoring your father and your mother, they're all focused on what I don't do. I don't do this and I don't do that. But it seems to me that as we understand Scripture, that the people of God are defined more besides, defined by more rather than what we don't do, right? I think there was a time in our history as a church when we were more defined by what we don't do. I have a friend whose name is Jeffrey, and his grandfather was quite a conservative district superintendent in this area in southwestern Oklahoma. And he said, I remember my, my grandfather talking to me about a people, a group of people who left our church to start another church because we were too liberal. And Jeffrey said as a young boy, I remember thinking to myself, is there something else that we can't do? Because I thought we already don't do everything that we shouldn't do. <laughs> what else is there that we could quit doing? Don't you think the people of God are defined by more than what we don't do? And is there something here in this conversation about the fact that we will be judged by what we do? With what we've been given? Like wealth? Like money? I mean, could it be that we'll stand before God one day and there will be questions about... And judgment in regard to what we did with what we were given. It wasn't just about what we didn't do, but it was about what we were supposed to have been doing all along. I mean, how do you define the characteristics of the people of God? Isn't it more than just by what we do not do? And so Jesus... Jesus gives us this radical new way to think about what it means to be the people of God. He gives us this radical new way to think about what the kingdom of God might look like. And he says, why don't you try this? Why don't you become poor? The reason it was radical was because people in Jesus' day believed that if you were rich, you were blessed by God. Guess what? 2,000 years later, we live in the United States of America in 20... I was going to say 15, but it's 16. And we believe the same thing. I got a new job and I got a raise. Isn't God good? We inherited some money. Look at the blessings of God that has just fallen into our laps. Are those blessings? Do we believe that also? 
Are we not unlike the Jewish people of Jesus' day who tended to believe that wealth was equivalent to God's favor? And so why wouldn't he enter the kingdom of heaven? He's wealthy. He's a man who's been favored by God. And Jesus gives this radical new way to think about what the people of God might be like. And he says, what, what if you just went and sold everything and you gave it all away to the poor? And then you came and you followed this poor Nazarene through Palestine. What if we became givers? What, what if that defined the people of God? What if we were the people who gave it away? Man. <laughs> Talk about a radical new way to think about Christianity in America today. That's a radical new way to think about it, isn't it? How do you respond to Jesus? He went away sad because he was wealthy. And Jesus realizes that I have a teaching moment here that I have to take advantage of. And so he says to the disciples how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when he saw they were amazed, he said it again. It is hard to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a man who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. My district superintendent, Dr. Terry Rowan, was telling uh, me a story not long ago about being on a plane and he was sitting by a man who was clearly Middle Eastern. And they began to talk a bit. But the man's English was pretty decent. And he began to ask him about his life and he learned that he was a refugee. And Dr. Olin said, I'd never spoken to a man who was a refugee before. And so I began to talk to him and ask him questions. And one of the questions I asked him was, just out of curiosity, if you don't mind me asking, what do you leave your home with when you're a refugee? <laughs> he said, that's it. You can't take hardly anything with you. He said, I left with a change of clothes and a thumb drive. Thumb drive. Information stored on a thumb drive. I can put it in a computer and I can pull it up. A thumb drive. And Dr. Rowland said, do you mind if I ask you what's on the thumb drive? And he said, no, I don't mind you asking at all. He said, pictures of my family. In a moment like that, when you're getting ready to walk away from everything in order to save your life, what do you take with you? You only take what's important. What's really important. 
And I think what happens to us when we read the words of Jesus here is we're able to somehow get through all the cloudiness and all the muddiness and everything else, and we're able to get down to what's important because what is important is our relationship with God and whether or not we allow Him to be the ruler of our lives. It's all we talk about at funerals. It's always the main point at the funeral. It's always the big deal at the funeral. Is he going to say it? Is the preacher going to say it? Is somebody going to say it? Live their lives in submission to the will of God. Okay, we're all good. It's all that mattered. It's important stuff. The question is always, who's going to rule? Is there anything more important to me than what God wants for me? Is there anything that matters to me more than what God wants for me? So I think our temptation as we read through this passage is that we want to kind of explain it away. And I've heard lots of stuff over the years. All my life, I've heard that somewhere in Jerusalem there was a very low gate and it was referred to as the needle's eye. But historically, there's nothing to really support that. And the other thing that I've... And so for a camel to go through this really low gate, you can imagine how awkward that would be. But he could get through it. But it would be hard, but he could get through it. And the other was that, no, a, a camel is a very, like, like a PCR. No, it's bigger than that. It's like a rope. No, it's a ship's cable is what it is. And you can imagine trying to stuff the cable off a ship into just a little eye of a needle. And, and you, you know what I think it means? I think Jesus said it's hard. And I think Jesus meant by that, it's hard. That's what I think it means. It's really hard when you're rich to enter the kingdom of God because the question is always, if money is ruling my life, then God is not ruling my life. And I can't be a citizen of the kingdom of God where God rules if God's not ruling my life. And I think Jesus was trying to say, it's really hard when you're now, here's the other side of that. I think the other thing we try to do is we try to say, this is really good stuff, and I hope the people who are here who need it really hear it well. Because we always have these creative definitions of rich. Who's rich? Let's just do this. Would all the rich people raise your hands so we know where you are this morning? Just put your hands way up in the air, would you? I'd like to see all the rich people. I got one honest soul in the house. Come on, who's rich in here? Seriously? You're rich? Anybody else rich? I got a few more. Do you know who's rich? It's the person who has more than I do. That's who's rich. Oh, you think I'm rich? I'm not rich. That guy's rich. And that guy's saying, oh, you think I'm rich? No, that guy's rich. It's always... We always seem to somehow comfortably place ourselves below, you know, the, the, the level of richness. So... It's always the person who has more than me. Oh, we're rich. Everybody in the room is rich compared to world standards. And Jesus said, it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be really hard for you. 
It'd be easier to get the camel through an ab needle than for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. See, I think, I think we, 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 we try to kind of talk ourselves out of being in the group that want to trust in riches. And we like to quote Matthew 6, 25, Don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear. Heavenly Father knows what you need, and if He's going to take care of the lilies of the field, He's going to take care of you. I'm not the one who needs the conversation about you can't serve both God and money. I serve God. I'm okay. So, so it may be that you are. Maybe you've, you've, you've come to grips with that. Let me, let me ask you, is there anything else in your life that means more to you than what Jesus wants for you? I mean, I, mean, I think there's people in the room this morning who would say to me, it's, it's not about money for me, Rick. It's about success. I want to win. I want to win so bad that it has the potential of becoming more important for me than what Jesus wants for me. I think about people that I love that suffer from addiction and whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography. I make decisions, Pastor Rick, because this is more important to me in this moment than what God wants for me. I don't think it necessarily has to be money. What is the potential of becoming more important in your life than what Jesus wants for you? I think that's the question. Well, how in the world do you get into the kingdom of God? (laughs) And that's the beautiful part about the kingdom of God. Everything is turned upside down. The first or last, the last or first. Did you hear it when I read it a moment ago? The impossible becomes possible. Rich people get in. God can do anything. Anything is possible. With God. Whatever it is in your life, it seems to be so important. More important than what Jesus wants for me. That battle can be won. Because with God, all things are possible. I preached all that time and never once mentioned giving. And I'm a preacher. So maybe I should mention giving. It just simply means that I've surrendered everything I have to God. He rules my life, even even my money and what I do with it. Amen? You want to stand with me? I'd love for you to. Being away last week, I feel like I've been gone for six months. I know it hasn't been, but I just feel a little 
separated from you. And always when I'm getting back to town, I'm reading emails about people who have been in the hospital or going through a challenging time. I love, and you know this, to close our time together by inviting people to come and pray who want to come and pray. So this morning, I really wanted just to say, you want to come and pray? Just please come and pray. I'd love for you to. Mike, that's a purse that is hanging on your foot there. You've got it. Okay. (laughs) I love Mike so much. I'm glad you came, Mike. You want to come and pray like Mike has? You want to come and pray for a son, a daughter, a family member, a situation in your life? You want to come and pray about what matters to you more than what Jesus wants for you? Do you want to come and pray about what has the potential of mattering more to you than what Jesus really wants for you? Some of you have been hanging around for a while and you've not yet made that step to say, I want to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. So if you want to come this morning and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your heart, to change who you are, you can do that today. We'll sing, and if you want to come and join these, please come. I'd rather have Jesus than
so let me leave you with this blessing to him who is able to do more than we would ever ask or imagine be glory and honor God bless you you have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org